So we're in the series uh, Rooted Still, and we've been talking about this idea, the competency of pursuing God. That if we're going to be a disciple maker, we must learn how to pursue God. And that the essence of pursuing God is this idea of hearing His voice through His Word and obeying what He's called us to do. That is, that is just the basis of being a follower of Jesus and helping others be followers of Jesus. Now, practices to help us pursue God, we've talked about so far, are we must learn to properly uh, read, study, interpret God's Word. We must have good hermeneutics, that we actually are understanding what the Word's actually saying and not what we think it says. Uh, we must learn how to pray and talk to God. But that is one of the biggest, most important ways that we pursue God is through talking to Him through prayer. And today we're going to look at the practice of resting and abiding in God. And what resting and abiding really are is this right here. They are tuning out the voice of this world. It is purposeful time daily, weekly, throughout the year, where we are tuning out the voice of this world and tuning in to the voice of God and nothing else. Um, you think the first commandment given to us in humanity is to be fruitful and to multiply. God, in a sense, put man to work once he created us. You know, we're not created simply to uh, exist. Does that make sense? There's this thought many times that we must just kind of get through and exist through life. But we are called to actually be a part of God's plan and to work and be fruitful and to multiply. And now there's two extremes here when we think about this, about this idea of work that are both unhelpful. The first extreme is this right here. It is the person um, who does not see their work as important or as unto the Lord. And what happens inevitably is that that person will then become uh, lazy, apathetic, and, and will sometimes cease to work. We have seen this a lot um, with young men before in this country where, you know, this idea of playing video games till you're 28 years old and, and not really having a stable job has become normal. Um, my boy Sam right here, he's young, got married, he's doing his thing. It's good stuff. But like some, some young men have taken this thing where they just stay teenagers till they're 35 years old. And what happens is there is this sense of a lack of humanity in that, right? If you've been unemployed before, or even, you know, this is just me, and this is probably sinful too. Like if I'm sick for a day or two, and like I don't get to do too much, I'm like just in a funk. Just in a funk. I'm like, because there is this sense that we are, we are made to be productive. And when we cease to be productive and to work and to be fruitful and multiply, uh, we are ceasing to be human the way we were created. That's just true. And so we aren't called to not work or to not take our work seriously. That's not what we're called to do. Now, the flip side of this is when we make work our identity, right? Which we also see very much in our culture, where we are constantly and always, always on. We're always working. We never stop. And we, we derive our purpose in life from our work. Or we try to get our value or our worth from what we work and what we do. Does that make sense? And that we can fall into that trap as well, where we are never, ever turned off. And we are always, always on. And the word I think of is just striving. We are striving for something that only God can give. Does that make sense? 
a promotion can't give, more, more money can't give, more prestige can't give, than only God can give. Uh, Mike Breen says this. It's in your little quote. I thought it was a good quote. We have become human doings, not human beings. We've become human, human doings, not human beings. So you think about, uh, this changes our idea of work in one level too. If we were, in a sense, created to be fruitful and to work, right? In a sense, that means that we never stop working. Have y'all noticed this sometimes, that uh, there's this idea, especially in America, that one day we are going to um, be able to retire and then live life all about us. There is this thought in that. And once we retire, for many of us in the West, that's become our functional savior, right? Our kids getting out of the house, us stop working, us doing what we want to do. Um, that is not a biblical notion. I will tell you, we were called to be fruitful for our entire life. Now, the nature of your work will change. Does that make sense? So right now, we work, most of us, eight to five jobs. Um, we're taking care of this or that in our lives, and that is how we're called to work right now. One day, you're going to stop doing the job you do right now. One day, you'll have to physically, probably. Um, but your work does not stop. It just changes. And that's a key thing right there, because... Many times we stop, we retire or we turn off and we just stop working, stop being fruitful and we cease to be human on some level. Um, and also there is this sense that unless we have a high paying job, a prestigious job, that our work does not matter. So I'll give you an example. So my grandmother is in a nursing home now. Um, she cannot work. Um, but now her job, and I saw her Friday, I was talking to her, um, her job now is to eat the food that she's given, to, to keep being healthy. Her job is to do physical therapy and to talk to the residents at, at the nursing home. That is now her work. Does that make sense? And that is a good and a great work. Now, for some of you, you may have young kids and you're at home with young kids. That's an important and a great work. We're, we're all called to work and be fruitful at different seasons. It's just going to look different. But the main thing is we're called to work. Listen, if we're not working, we can't truly rest. Does that make, like there's this thing that if we're always kind of resting or not, or, or not doing, we're not going to truly rest. And so we must work to lead to great rest. We must return to a biblical rhythm of life. This is on your sheet, but I'm going to go ahead and draw it right here. A biblical rhythm of life that includes both rest and work. And that our life should be like this pendulum that swings back and forth between rest, rest and work. That if we are, listen, here's the deal. If we are always on, if we're always working, we see this so much in the West, right? If we're always on one day because we'll be fired, disqualified, or burn out, we're going to be forced to rest. Does that make sense? And so we have to learn to balance this idea of work and rest. And we see this throughout Scripture. Let's go to Genesis 1. Genesis 1, verse 26. This idea of work and rest is literally built into us as we're made into the image of God. Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, 
and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. This is our work, right? Over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them to, for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. Listen, we were created. This is before the fall. Work is not a result of the fall. In heaven, we will be working in heaven. We'll be doing the work of God in heaven. And we're called today to do the work and be fruitful and multiply. That is our mandate as humanity from God. Let's keep going. Look at verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was more than the sixth day. Genesis 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Exodus 20, verse 8 talking to the Israelites, the Ten Commandments. We, you know, we have these printed everywhere. We know these things. Look at what he says in this. Remember, this is verse 8, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days and you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he made it holy. Retreat and rest um, were not optional things, are not optional things. They're literally built into us. We are made in the image of God. It's this idea almost like of, of an imprint that we are made with this imprint, this image of God, that if we do not rest, we cease to be living as if we were made into the image of God. Listen, I read probably 10 articles this week, um, secular articles on like this new thing they found, that a day off of rest a week is good for humans. It was so funny, I think I read New York Times, Psychology Today, CNN, all kind of things I was reading. And it was like they had found, like, you know, life on Mars or something. Like, there was like, oh, you cannot believe what we discovered, that it is good for man and woman to rest a day a week. Listen, hear this. One of the most productive things you can do in your life is to learn to rest. And what rest really means, it means to cease doing activity. It means that you are joyfully unproductive for a day, for an hour, whatever it might be, there is this sense that you, it's this uh, settled confidence, as Luke said a few weeks ago in his sermon, 
that God is at work and you can rest. And as you rest, you will miss out on things. You can miss out on work, on jobs, on activities. Your kids might miss out on things as well. But you were created and wired for rest. Rest is God's healthy starting point for us. Think about it, we were created on the sixth day. And our first day of life, the next day, was a day of rest. Rest is the healthy starting point for us. We should work from our rest, not rest from our work. Here's what that means. It means that we are working from a place of settled faith in God. That means you and me as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we, we go out and we work from a place of settled faith and confidence in God. Not working to strive for something more. When we go out to work tomorrow, we go should be in a place of rest, that we go with this settled confidence that God is at work and God loves us. And we can go and work and be fruitful and multiply. You see, Jesus modeled this rest for us. Jesus made rest and disconnection a priority in his life. Let's go to Mark. We're going to be in Mark for like seven different verses. Mark 1. So we see here in verse 9 through 11, Jesus is baptized. And then right away in verse 12, the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He's there for 40 days when he's tempted by Satan. But for 40 days before Jesus started his ministry, he started it with a retreat. Jesus started his ministry with retreat. Not with doing, but with being with God. Fasting and being with God. Look at verse 35 in chapter 1. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place to pray. And there he prayed. You see this picture of Jesus literally starting his day before everybody else to rest and be with God. Look at Mark 6. Mark 6, verse 30. Verse 30, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away to the, in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Jesus taught his disciples that rest is important. We see this all throughout the Gospels. We see this all throughout the ministry and the life of Jesus. That he made rest a priority in the life of him and his followers. And at the core of this, isn't this us, um, through the power of the Holy Spirit, following our Lord and Savior and, what he, and how he lived his life and teach us through the same thing? So, so there's a few principles here of rest and work. Here's what I mean. We all rest differently. We all rest differently. Some here um, love to be around people. Uh, like their, their day off, they want to be at parties, they want to do this, they want to do that. And now some people, right, leave me alone on my day of rest. We, uh, and I probably fall in this category, we are energized by, by silence, solitude, um, being introspective, 
Um, if you're an extrovert who is energized um, by lots of people, raise your hand. Don't be embarrassed. Okay, we got a few. In the, if you're if you're energized by like no people, raise your hand. Okay, okay. Um, that's interesting. Um, that's not right or wrong. Uh, there is this sense that, um, but I will tell you this. You have to learn um, how you're recharged, right? You have to learn how you're recharged. How do you person, maybe you go fishing, maybe you, things that you just, where you cease to do activity, right? What we tend to do, though, because we said earlier, right, this is about tuning out the voice of the world and tuning into the voice of God. What we tend to do in, uh, in our culture is we binge on the world, right? On our day of rest, we don't disconnect. We might cease to do activity, but what we really do is we tune in to the voice of the world through social media, through entertainment, through just activities of doing stuff, all kinds of things. And, and, and with young kids and kids in general, we can make our life and our time of rest about their activities. And I, there's a fine line here. I, I believe there's something restful and joyful about going with your kids and watching them play sports. I believe that completely. But there can be a sense when it crosses the line, when our life is all about, our times of rest are all about them and their activities. And that's different for every person. I don't know what it is for you. I know it is. For, I'm not sure I know what it is for me either. And so we have to figure those things out of how we rest and how we recharge and how we renew. But here's what I want to finish our time off with today and the main reason we're here. Uh, if we just did this right here, if we just talked about rest and work, this idea of finding how you recharge, how you rest, and all those kind of things, that is helpful. It is. But you can go into any secular place in the world, and this would apply right here. But the difference for us is Jesus, isn't it? That we're followers of Jesus. And so there is something much deeper than just resting and working. And the key word in this, we'll see it in John 15, it's abiding. That we must learn an abiding rest. Not just how to rest and how to, you know, take naps. I believe naps are important. I believe fishing is important. That's how you recharge. I believe things you do to recharge are important, but they're not ultimate. The point of resting is to tune in to the voice of our God. That's what Jesus did, right? He didn't just go to the mountain just to, like, hang out. He went to pray and be with his Father. That we must learn an abiding rest. Because what happens when we truly have an abiding rest it makes our work fruitful. And remember, our mandate is to be fruitful and multiply. That we are not just resting, but we abide with God daily, weekly, I think yearly through retreats. When we learn this true abiding rest, it will transform our work. And we'll see our work is not just a thing to kind of strive for or do, but it's an opportunity to actually bear fruit. Let's go to John 15. As you're turning there, I'll just tell you, um, true abiding rest redeems our work. That is true. Um, it's just true. Biblically, it's true. Um, and I will tell you, uh, for me, I feel like the past few weeks, this has been a real struggle. Uh, you know, I've read my Bible and, I, and I've talked to God, but isn't there something different about just reading your Bible and truly abiding with the Father? Aren't those, 
they're one and the same, but they're also kind of different. And I will tell you, um, there is this real sense of when you're not truly um, living out this rhythm in a healthy way of abiding with the Father, life simply does not make sense. Life at that point becomes a drudgery. Have y'all experienced that? And we're going to see this in John 15. But have you experienced times of truly abiding with the Father, like resting in Him, spending time with Him, and, and how your life at that point is fruitful and joyful? And then you've also had seasons in your life where this is not a healthy rhythm, and from that lack of rhythm, life becomes a drudgery, and, and there's a lack of purpose in life. Have we all experienced that on some level? Here's why. Because Scripture is true. Like, we, we all say that. We're, we, we, you know, we're Protestants, right? We believe Scripture is sufficient, and it is. Um, but many times we don't live that way, do we? But I am telling you that God's Word is true, and it's right. Let's look at John 15. It says here, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. We go, we go a lot of ways with that. We're not going to focus on it today. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Underline prunes right there. It's an important word. That it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown to the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. First thing we obviously see here is that we abide. You see abide all throughout this passage. And, and, and a helpful kind of um, what that word means for us is really this idea of remain. We remain in the vine. It's this picture of just um, literally just sitting with God. Like, how do I describe this? You know, you're, you've been on a date before, either with your spouse or with somebody else. Um, hopefully with your spouse. With your spouse. Let's, let's, let's stay there if you're married. Um, but, like, they have your attention, especially that first date. Maybe that 25th date they don't. But that first date, like, you're locked in. You're not on your phone. You're not doing anything else. You're, like, talk. You're with them. There are no other distractions, right? Um, that's what this picture of this word is, that we, we remain and we abide and we sit with God. This happens primarily through uh, the word and through prayer. Look at verse 7. 
if you abide in me and my words, my words, my teachings, what I have taught you, if these abide in you, at that point, ask whatever you wish. Do you see what's happening there? As we are truly remaining in the words of God, we can then talk to God because our hearts, our minds are centered on him. And we're going to ask what he has taught us to ask. And we can talk to him and pray to him with whatever we wish. This picture of abiding through the word and through prayer. Now, I'm not saying that you can't um, uh, read books about God and have the same effect. There are many books in my life. um, But I will tell you the reason those books are powerful because they point back to the word of God. I don't think your novel about the Hunger Games, which is a fine, I'm not criticizing the book, is going to help you abide with God. Does that make sense? Um, But if you read A.W. Tozer, that will help you abide with God. Does that make sense? Um, Now, this is always the primary thing. And and, and the books you're reading, the the, the Christian books we're reading, um, if they are a part of our devotion time, our time of really abiding, connected with God, they need to be saturated with God's Word. They need to be full and deep and heavy with the words of God, right? Um, I know for me personally, uh, a few things help me in this. I I think good, um, rich books about God lead me to remain and abide with God. Um, I think music that is rich and full full of theology about God help me remain and abide with God. I think hearing other sermons from other pastors help me do this. I think... All these things help us abide and remain with God. But I will tell you, the center, the focus, the main thing is the word and prayer. There is this kind of trend I have seen that like I can take a walk and be with God. And I'm not saying that's not true on some level. Um, But our primary mode is through the word of God. And it's through prayer, right? It's not something that we create. Um, That God's word and talking to him through prayer are primarily how we abide and remain with him. Now, saying that, it's very possible to read God's word and not abide with him. Is that true? We can, I do this many times, right? I'm busy. Well, I got to read God's word real quick. Okay, yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. And I go on my way. That is reading the Bible. That's not abiding with God. And so we must learn this practice of stopping and truly abiding and remaining with him. Now, we're going to talk through how to abide here in a few minutes. But the, the main thing here is, that it's, it, it is the idea of remaining and focusing without distraction with God through word, through prayer. What you see here is, as well, and you don't even see this in this phrase, in, in this chapter, this assumed thing that growth is a natural byproduct of abiding with God, right? As we walk with God, um, we're going to grow spiritually. As we remain with God in the presence of God, you will grow spiritually, become more like God. That will have, that's a byproduct. But here's also a byproduct. Pruning is a natural byproduct of abiding. Look at verse two again. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. But every, and every branch that does bear fruit. So you're seeing this picture here, right? Uh, you're, you're abiding with God. This has become a rhythm in your life. And some of you here, I've talked to you. You're in a season of this right now where you have been abiding with God and you're seeing God work. You're seeing growth. You're seeing these things happen. And you're seeing fruit in your life. You're seeing uh, your kids become more like Christ. You're seeing neighbors 
um, ask questions about God. You're seeing disciples made in your life. You're seeing the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience in your life. You're bearing fruit. The Father sees that. We see here in this text right here that He sees this good work that's happening in you through abiding in Him and His work in you. And God wants more of you. And so as He bears fruit, He also prunes. He prunes things from our life. It is this real sense of um, that Jesus calls us to suffering and calls us to die to ourself daily. And if you've ever walked with God, you've experienced this. That you put this in a sense, one level of walking with God, and God takes you to a deeper and deeper and deeper level. Which is why it's so hilarious, uh, the idea of health and wealth teaching. That God wants you to be happy. The problem with that is just the message of Jesus, isn't it? Where he calls to die to ourselves over and over and over again. It even says that if we bear fruit, like this is this great picture. We, as followers, we want to bear fruit, right? As we bear fruit, this great and right thing, he's going to prune. He's going to cut back. And I will tell you, when God prunes, it hurts. It really hurts. I, I find the clearest time I've seen this in my life is through, through my daughter Hattie. Um, we had this real sense that, uh, of God sending us to, to do this thing and uh, uh, adopting her uh, was this real picture, I feel like, of me and Tracy walking with God, Tracy mostly, and um, God sending us, us growing from that, I really do. Um, and, and I think adopting her was this idea of bearing fruit in our lives, this person in our life to invest in and be this witness of God's goodness in our lives. But I will tell you, bringing her home and having her in our lives has been pruning. There are less things we can do because we have Hattie Jane in our lives. That is the reality of our life. And she is a gift uh, from God. But God is pruning me and Tracy as we speak through this gift of, ha- of our daughter Hattie Jane. Because as God, um, as you bear fruit, what, what happens is, um, it's this picture of less of your life is about yourself. And more of your life is about God. And I just want to warn you, as you truly walk and remain and abide with God, He will prune. But that's good news, isn't it? If we believe that, basically, if we believe that God is better than the things of this world, as He prunes things of this world to become more like Him, that is right and that is good in our lives. And we should celebrate and praise those things. That's what we see in Paul's writings, right? That suffering should produce joy in our lives, and it does. But we have to like be ready for that, that as you begin to see God at work in your life, things will be pruned. All right, next kind of principle here of abiding. As we abide, our identity is made stronger in His love. Here's a great picture here of, this is really a piece about identity. Like, uh, if we're never resting and abiding in God, our identity, it will become our work. Whatever your work is, parenting, job, hobby, whatever your thing is, that will become your identity and what you strive to get love from. But as we abide in God, we receive His love. Look at verse 9. As the Father has loved me, this Trinitarian love, which we can't even imagine, like, that love. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. 
and as disciples of Jesus Christ. And we all, as fallen humans, are seeking love from others, other lesser, lesser beings than God every day, aren't we? Love, approval, identity, all these things. Hear this today. You, as a disciple of Jesus, are loved by the God of the universe with the same love that God has for himself. That is hard for our minds to wrap around, isn't it? But that love should lead to a settled peace, a settled confidence that only comes from him. Look at verse 9. Let's keep going. Abide in my love. Like there is this real sense that as we, as we practice this, as tomorrow morning, as I rise at 5 a.m. by the grace of God and um, restfully abide in him, I'm abiding in the love of God for me. And what happens when I truly do that, I don't then, and I will say this is just true in my life. It's true first because Scripture says it. It's, but my life has bared this out. When I am truly resting, abiding in God and His love, I'm not seeking love from Tracy or my kids that only God can provide. Right? Because I have this settled identity from Him that only happens from remaining and being with Him. Does that make sense? It doesn't happen once a week on a Sunday for an hour at a gathering. It's important. That's right. That's good. But there is this sense that you and God have to do this. Like you with God do this. And without us actually sitting and abiding and remaining with him, um, we are not going to have this settled peace and this settled identity. That only happens, as Jesus did, when you're waking up before anybody else does, or staying up later, or taking a lunch, whatever your thing might be, that you're having this time where it's just you and God. And letting God, through his word and through prayer, remind you of his great love, of who he is. It is through that that we have a right identity and a right work. As we abide, our identity is made stronger in his love. Next principle. We abide and remain continually by obeying God's commandments. Look at verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. You see that? There is this sense that we continually walk in the presence of God by following what our Lord says. Once again, this bears true in our lives, doesn't it? If you're walking in sin, if you're actively disobeying your Father and your Lord, you're not walking in His presence and in His hope. You're not abiding with Him. You're not remaining in that love. You're seeking another love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Once again, this picture of us following our Lord and Savior Jesus. And He has sent His Spirit to enable us to follow Him. This is not an impossible task. It'll be a flawed task. You will fail. You will. That's the view of the gospel, though. As we do fail, we come back to our Father who has paid the price for our sins. Over and over and over again. There is this true sense that we can continually abide and remain throughout the day by following our Father's commandments. It is not simply um, getting and being alone with God that we do this. We do this throughout the day as we walk with God. 
Last thing. The result of abiding, we see here, is joy and fruit. The result of abiding is joy and fruit. We see fruit all throughout this passage. That as we abide in Him, He will create fruit in our lives. There's this real sense, you see this in verse um, verse 4. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. You can do nothing. Many of our Christian lives are spent trying, many pastors' lives are spent trying to create fruit without abiding with God. It's an impossible task. It's like an orange tree trying to produce fruit, uh, apples. An apple tree doesn't have to work to create apples. Does that make sense? That's what it naturally does. And listen, as followers of Jesus, with, with the Holy Spirit of God inside of us, we are wired to be fruitful and to multiply. Bearing fruit is a natural byproduct of remaining with the Father. Look at verse 11, though. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Um, you know, I preached last week from Matthew 6, um, and this idea that um, our anxiety in our life is a tell. It's a tell that we are seeking something else, right? I will say your joy or your lack thereof is also a tell. And I am saying this um, with a lot of humility this morning, where I feel like, you know, it's been a struggle the past few weeks. And as I look back with just honesty, it is from a lack of truly abiding and remaining with God. It's been, I will tell you for me, it has been uh, reading God's word, has been more about doing work than it's been about being with God. Does that make sense? And from that, there's been a lack of joy. There's been anxiety, there's been frustration, there's this and that, those kind of things. Um, when, the, when there is a real... ...full of joy, what that means. And the question um, I have for you today, do you sense that joy in your life? Like, really? Can you see this rhythm in your life leading to joy? You probably, maybe you have in the past. Maybe you're experiencing that right now. Praise God for that. But I would challenge all of us, if we want to pursue God, and pursue God through word and through prayer, we must learn this rhythm right here. This rhythm must be defined, known, it's the first things first philosophy, isn't it? That um, we must first plan this before we plan anything else. There must be a sense in our lives that we can't do some things because we have this rhythm of abiding with God. And, if, and that should be a natural reality for followers of Jesus. Let me wrap up here. So I, I've got three kind of rhythms for us to talk about today. Um, daily rhythms, weekly rhythms, and seasonal rhythms. Uh, these are kind of self-explanatory, but the first, a daily rhythm. There should be, um, in your life as a follower of Jesus, a rhythm where every day it is you and God. As a follower of Jesus, that has to be a rhythm of our lives. Whether it's morning, evening, lunch, whatever your, everybody's schedule is different. 
But sure, there should be this sense when you know that you're going to abide and remain in the vine. There should be a weekly rhythm of ceasing activity and abiding with God. Extended abiding with God. Where you have a day where you are having extended time in God's Word, extended time of prayer, um, where you are enjoying the things God has given you through your family, through His creation. I will tell you... um, trying to think of this is this is just a pastoral thought i can't say it's you know anything except for my thoughts but um being very connected to the world through uh binging netflix or social media i can't imagine is uh very helpful i don't want to say that you can't watch anything i'm not trying to say that but I, i would definitely monitor that like if your day of rest is full of those kinds of things is it truly abiding rest is it rest that renews you and renews your love for God? So daily, there's this idea of weekly rest, and there's this idea of seasonal rest, where as you have seasons of life that are coming, and I do a bad job of this, that you should plan, I think, times of retreat. I think we see Jesus do. Extended time, days, a week, where you are just being with God, enjoying um, His creation, enjoying those that you love, all these things should be a part of that. Daily, weekly, and seasonal. And there should be this real idea as we walk in this, a real idea of joy and fruit in our lives that should come from that. And that we should fight for this. This this should be the rhythm of life that we as Christians fight for. Let me pray for us. Dear Lord, thank you love for us, Lord. Forgive us for not uh, abiding in that love, for um, pursuing other lesser things apart from your love. Lord, let this become a rhythm of our life. Uh, Bless our day today. Lord, bless our gathering. Lord, let us truly connect and hear from you. Praise Jesus' name. Amen. One more thought um, that I want to say.